Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For, 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 all, things, for, for all things KC, for everything Chiefs. It's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Welcome. I am your host, Kayla Canaram. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwart. Fellas, how are we feeling on this Wednesday? Uh, you know how it normally is. More <laughs> calm than after the, the Monday episode when you're, like, fuming mad that they lost. But I don't know, man. That one's going to sting a little bit because they keep losing to good teams. But now it's Broncos week which I thought going into the year was going to mean something. And instead, it's just how bad will the Broncos be and will the Chiefs continue to make them look awful, right, Nick? Yeah, normally this is the time of the week, right? Like 48 hours have passed, 72 hours have passed. This is the time when we start talking about why the loss was a good thing, why it was actually going to propel the Chiefs to a victory. See, this is how much Broncos, the Broncos are irrelevant in the grand scheme of things because we now have a second tap man joining the podcast. Young <laughs> tap is taking over for yeah. his dad this week. We don't need Cody this week. Desmond can take over. He, just, he, he said, Hi, can cutie. I sit with you? That's all. Uh, he just wants to be a part of the podcast. He can do that. Angel. Desmond, do you have any opinions on Patrick Mahomes? Do you want to share? <laughs> can you say Patrick Mahomes is good? No. Okay. Well, we'll from there. wow. We should lead with that. Just say boo Denver. No. no. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know, man. He's a tough, he's a tough nut to crack. What can I say? Not going to be told what to do. <laughs> no, he will not be, but it's weird. Cause like the Russell Wilson offseason signing was a huge topic of conversation for us. And yet isn't because it feels like this is supposed to be a runaway win. This is the worst team on the schedule. Okay. We just put it like, this is the this is one of the three worst teams in the NFL, right? And you get to face a couple of them the rest of the way. So, Kayla, I'm not going to steal your thunder any more than I already have. No, steal it. I don't care. That was a great point. Looking forward to this one on Sunday. Um, but we're going to turn things back to the Chiefs. The race for the one seed is officially wide open again, you guys. Is anyone's game at this point? I think a lot of what this is, is I still think they're going to get the one seed. Like, I know that I'm supposed to feel worse because they just lost that Cincinnati game and now they're no longer, you know, technically in control of their own destiny and the things that kind of come with that. But Buffalo's going to lose one of their games, aren't they? I mean, yes. I just feel like they're, they've got three divisional games. They're all at home, but three divisional games. They've lost to two of those opponents in the Jets in Miami. They still have Cincinnati. 
which adds another layer of challenging game to their schedule. And Kansas City has the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. The winning percentage of the teams they have left is 353. And that includes after the Raiders have won three games in a row, or it would be lower. And that includes a Seattle team who has managed to stay above 500 for majority of the year because they've been pretty decent. That's the toughest opponent remaining on the schedule. Denver's a joke. They lose to Denver. It's as bad as losing to Indianapolis. They're a joke. The Chiefs, and I don't think it's unreasonable, should be expected to win out. And I don't think that you can put that same expectation on Buffalo. So I still think they're going to get the one seed. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what I was alluding to in the preamble there. You get to play the Texans, the worst team in the NFL, and the Broncos, who right now, if the season ended and they hadn't traded their first round pick to the Seahawks twice, they would have the third overall pick in the draft. So you get to play effectively three of the worst teams in the NFL over your final five games. We said this last week that the reason why we placed extra importance on the Bengals game was that it was the last true barometer for where the Chiefs stacked up in the AFC because we knew the rest of the schedule was going to break heavily in their favor. And that's what it's looking like right now. With the exception of the Raiders, who are kind of playing good football, and the Seahawks, who are a good team, but you're probably going to be significant favorites, right? Probably a touchdown favorite, six, seven points against Seattle. Those are your two toughest teams. That's going to be as easy of a schedule as anyone in the NFL. So the AFC race is wide open, and I fully expect the Bills to hang around. I think the Bengals, with the way they're playing, could make a charge. I still expect them to win their division. And with the Dolphins hanging right there, I know they, they lost to San Francisco, but you're talking about the best defense in the NFL in the Niners. They're not going to have to face them week in and week out. I still think they're a, a, a player in the AFC. Having them in the same division as the Bills does give me a little bit of hope that they'll maybe kind of beat up on each other and the Bills with the way your schedule uh, shakes out, like you mentioned, Cody. you got three other teams in the East that are potential playoff contenders. Well, because Cincinnati and Buffalo still play each other, one of them mm-hmm. is taking on an extra loss. Yeah. Yep. Either the team that has the advantage on you because of the tiebreaker or the team that is only a game behind you that would have the advantage on you because of the tiebreaker. One of those isn't going to get the tiebreaker on you because Kansas City sure as hell isn't losing two games, right? Which is what it would take to fall behind both of those teams for the one seed. So it's just not going to happen. We can't count on Baltimore anymore because we're without Lamar Jackson for multiple weeks. So that's done. Miami has to take on Buffalo. Same problem, right? Either Miami's getting another loss, which means they're two games behind Kansas City, can't do it. Or Buffalo's getting another loss, which means Kansas City can win out and still get it. Like, it just feels like, although they're not technically in control of it, their schedule so much more favors their ability to get the one seed than every other team that's in the conversation because they still have tough games left on their schedule. The Texans are so bad, and the Broncos might be almost as bad if it wasn't for the fact that they can play defense. Their offense is worse than the Texans. They're just good at playing defense. So otherwise, we would be talking about them as the number one overall pick except for not them, it would be the team that they traded with, Seattle, who would get that pick because of their inability to get anything going with Russell Wilson. I've got a question for you guys. Yes. Are we, because we've talked about this several times throughout the season, whether it was after the Raiders game, which required a double-digit comeback, the Titans game, same situation, Malik Willis was in at quarterback, and that game was still tighter than you wanted it to be. Seeing how how bad these opponents are, 
the next five weeks. Are you guys at all concerned that the Chiefs are going to play down to their competition like we've seen them do earlier this season? I think they pretty consistently do. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kayla, we need some optimism here. Normally, I would say yes, but I'm going to say no, because these teams are so bad. So we should just smoke them like there shouldn't yeah. be. We should just blast them out of the water. Like Tennessee's a playoff team, at least, Nick, right? They're going to win their division by three games. Like, so to play down to them a little bit, whatever. I The Broncos, very simply, and I know we'll talk about them on the Friday episode too, but they are incapable. Like, it's not scientifically, mathematically, humanly possible for them to score enough points to beat the Chiefs. They are <laughs> incapable. They can't anyway, do it. Hey, can, I, can we go over that really quick? Because over the last month of football the broncos are averaging nine points per game thank you they've scored 35 points in their last four games combined the chiefs might do that in three quarters well maybe not against the broncos defense which is why they're constantly in like four point losses or five point losses. Yeah. the defense is really good but you're right there's no situation you can conjure up where they put enough points on the board to win well unless like we saw with the Bengals who play up to the chiefs. Do we fear that happening with any of these teams or no? Are they just going to come out of nowhere and finally turn it on against no best team? No, because they're just too bad for that. Yeah. And the Bengals were trending upward. I think that the chiefs game was the moment that made everyone realize, okay, the Bengals are doing the same thing they did last year, but Mm -hmm. they were quietly playing really good football leading into that Chiefs game. And that was sort of the exclamation point to say, okay, we're here. We're peaking right now. The Chiefs, by the way, have scored less than nine points. Exactly. I'm almost done adding it up. Exactly one time in Patrick Mahomes' entire starting career, Nick. So what game was that? The Tennessee Titans game. They lost 27 to three Uh, last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is the only time that they have scored less than nine points in the entire time. He has been the starting quarterback for the Chiefs. So I'm feeling feeling fine. I think it's about their possibility to score those points. What's crazy, you know, it's just, I just can't get over how bad they were considering how much time we spent on them in the offseason. Now we just get to ignore them. I will say I'm glad that our schedule is like this at the end and not the beginning. Okay, let's get get through the hard stuff and then skate to the top of the AFC. Okay, then let's all, before we move on to the next discussion here, let's all put our stamp on it. What do you guys think is the Chiefs' record at the end of the season? We did this at the beginning of the season for the first six weeks, and Kayla, Mm -hmm. did you you nail it on the head? She was one game off. I was one game off. I was not factoring in the Colts. That's right. You hadn't considered that the Chiefs could lose to Matt Ryan and Indianapolis Colts. Correct. Five games left. What do you guys think the Chiefs' final record is? 14 and three. 14 and three. I'm going to say 13 and four. Oh, what? you're going to have them lose. Who are we losing to? The yeah, Seahawks? The Raiders. The Raiders yeah. last game. Yeah, why not? That, that does scare me a little bit on the road. That was an exciting game last year. They also but... might be playing for a playoff spot. Yeah, no kidding. All of a sudden, they're five and seven. They're only two games out of the wild card. And the two teams ahead of them, you don't believe in. Don't look now. The Raiders are getting hot. By the way, they've beaten just nobody. Still bad team. <laughs> yeah, the Raiders definitely 
Because we only beat them by a point at home. And then you factor on the road. Yeah. I don't know. I think road we went in out. Vegas, pretty much another home game. Eh, pretty much the same. Well, guys, on that, if we do, in fact, finish 14 and three, will you consider the regular season a success considering who the losses came against? Minus the Colts. I, I, <laughs> honestly, before the year, considering because I know that people are now tired of because the cool thing, the trendy thing to do on Twitter now is be like, I don't want to ever hear another broadcast crew mention the fact that Tyreek Hill's gone. And I know that you don't want to hear the name, but no offense. It was kind of a big deal that the Chiefs lost a wide receiver who's going to finish the season with like 10 touchdowns and 1,800 yards. It's kind of a big deal. It's a huge deal that they traded away their franchise caliber wide receiver in the offseason and still lead the NFL in scoring. Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in passing touchdowns. He leads the NFL in passing yardage while they lost that guy. So if you would have told me going into the year, lock up 14 wins with the NFL's second hardest strength of schedule going into the year based on last year's record, yeah, I think I'd have taken it. How can I not call it success? They had one nonsensical crap game against the Colts, and they lost to two top competitors in last-minute losses. It sucks that the losses came against great teams because you want them beating great teams going into the playoffs. Right. But, but they had one bad loss in the year. They lost three games. They finished 14-3. and three. Yeah, I think it's a win. So context matters a little bit, and I'm guilty of constantly changing my expectations and then holding the team to those new expectations, not the preseason, because you're right. In the preseason, I thought with all of the spending that all the other teams did in the AFC that this may be the year where the Chiefs aren't the team to beat. And then what happened? We got halfway through the season, the Bills hit a little slide, and all of a sudden... The Chiefs are the overwhelming Super Bowl favorites. Patrick Mahomes, the overwhelming MVP favorite. And so that's the expectations that I want to hold them to. So now I look back on it and say, man, like that's a great record. But if you don't beat the Bills and the Bengals, do I really consider you the team to beat in the AFC? Because those are the two teams I'm most fearful of having to face in the postseason. I don't know how to wrestle with that. Well, it's hard. to your point, Nick, what are our impressive wins then? What I is, still think that they got the Chargers at the healthiest. I don't chargers. think that, like there's context there. They got the Chargers at the absolute peak Chargers long before anybody was ever hurt. So that first that first game against the Chargers has got to be one of their better wins, doesn't it? Yeah, the Bucks. I guess like I know I know the Bucks aren't a great team this year. Caught them at their healthiest too. In terms of impressiveness, yeah, that would be up there. I guess the Niners. Yeah, yeah, most dominant wins. Even though I don't know how much you you guys respect those teams individually, those are probably the three best ones. That's got to matter too, right? That you have the ability to blow out other good teams. Just wish this was happening against our AFC foes. It's hard because you could do this kind of with almost any. Like, yeah, I understand that, and the NFC is certainly a weaker conference. But when you really start shaking out most team schedules, like Cincinnati's biggest win is obviously going to be the Chiefs. But they have just as many bad losses as the Chiefs because, well, they have four of them for starters. And their losses include the Pittsburgh Steelers in the very first week of the season. So, sure, context, right, Nick? Right. But it's they still lost to that team. Their floor at some point this season was still losing to that team. Their best win outside of the Chiefs is, oh, they've got Miami, too. I take it back. So they have two 
impressive wins. That was the game. And that was the game at Miami where Tua went out with. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So you know what? Maybe that one doesn't even count. So, let's, so it's like they have one impressive win against Kansas City. They beat Tennessee, the same as Kansas City. So let's do this exercise now with the Bills, because this is interesting. The Bills have three losses. They lost to the Dolphins by two. They lost to the Jets by three. They lost to the Vikings by three in overtime. I guess you would say their best win would be obviously the Chiefs. Uh, they beat the Ravens by three. So this is the exercise that you sort of get to do, which is that when you're, you're right, Cody, when you shake it out, turns out you're more likely to lose to good teams than you are bad teams. And the more good teams you play, the more opportunities to lose games you have on your schedule. So that's sort of the crux of all of this. Would you rather have a team that only loses to bad teams and then all of a sudden be afraid of uh, an early playoff exit? Like, right. If, what if you're playing in wildcard weekend, Do you, would, would you rather have a team that, that could potentially lose to the jets in the divisional round, or would you rather have a team that you know is going to have a chance to play for the Super Bowl, which is, I think, where the Chiefs are at? Yeah, no matter who they face, most likely, if they don't get the bye, going back to the first conversation, no matter who they face in that first round, they're beating that team. All the teams they'd face are just like the Raiders or the Chargers or the Titans or the Jets. Like, I don't care. I don't care. Not the Titans, probably, because they won the division, but oh, fine, whatever, right? Those are whatever teams. They can beat those teams. It is those top teams. And in those games this year, even like uh, late, like last year, not only did they lose to the top teams in the AFC, they all beat their ass. Like the, you know, Cincinnati or, or they blew a huge lead. Like they blew a, a 10 point lead to Cincinnati in the fourth quarter and they got they got beat in by the Bills. So like the regular season in a way felt worse. This time they had the ball or had the ball late with a chance to win it. It was just a coin flip game that they lost. And I'll take, if you can just guarantee me being in a coin flip game against Cincinnati or Buffalo in the postseason, I'll take it right now. Guarantee me that chance because they might win that coin flip this time. They got just as likely as a chance as you do. Well, guys, to wrap all this up in a bow before we move on, how important is it to get the one and have home field advantage throughout the playoffs? I have decided that despite very limited evidence, it, it matters less than it used to. Mm, especially when we play better on the road. <laughs> Here's, here's what I put. There are three years of evidence now under the new playoff system. There is exactly one team with a bye who has made the Super Bowl. One. Okay, but how many, how many examples do we have to go off of here? Six? Six. Okay. But the, but the rate, hold on, but the rate of previous bye teams to make the Super Bowl, I looked it up, was 77%. So in the old system, 77% of the time, if you had a bye, you'd make the postseason. And in the new, admittedly, small sample size, 20%, less than actually. Right. It's 17 and a half percent chance of making the Super Bowl. Like, I just don't think it matters the way it used to because it just takes one team knocking you off and then you're right back at home like last year for the Chiefs. But Cody, if I, I mean, I'm not trying to teach you, I'm not trying to like act like I'm teaching you odds here, but like if I flipped a coin six times and only landed on heads once, you wouldn't say that, wow, I mean, it's going to be, going to be tails every single time if I flip it a hundred sure. times, right? Like I, I just, I want every advantage you can possibly get, especially knowing the caliber of opponents. Because you're right. We've talked a lot about how good the Chiefs have played on the road, but they haven't had to go. Like the, the, the good games that they've played on the road haven't been against the best teams. We just saw them go to Cincinnati and we didn't see an A-plus performance from them. We've seen an A-plus performance against the Chargers who have absolutely no home field environment or against a Niners team that at the time you were just simply flat out better than. A Buccaneers team, same as the case. 
Cardinals team, same is the case. So knowing that if you're going to have to go on the road in the playoffs, you're likely going to be going to Cincinnati or Buffalo. That part scares me a little bit. If it's, if it's Miami, I could probably live with that. Right. If you're telling me you want a Super Bowl there, right. right. That's basically a home game. But if you're telling me you got to go to Buffalo or Cincy, that scares me a little bit. Look, I'd still rather have the buy. I just don't think it's the advantage it used to be. It's just not that hard to end up being the home field team through the buy. And because the playoff field is weakened every year when you're the two seed and now it gets down to seven, the seventh seed three years in a row has been a loser, like a team that is bad. It was Pittsburgh last year. It's going to be the Jets this year. Those teams aren't good enough to beat you. So it's a mini buy. It's not a full buy. Then you get the home game in the round two. And then all you're asking for is one upset somewhere along the way. You're only going to have to really play one road game, in my opinion. The Chiefs are like, I don't think they're falling out of the two. They're going to be the two. So it's like, it just doesn't, I'm not like panicked if they don't get the one, I guess is where I'm at. Are we a little nervous that we don't know what Patrick Mahomes looks like on the road? In the he, playoffs? Scores more, he scores more points per game, averages more yards per play in his career on the road than at home. So I don't know. I guess I'm fine. Yeah. The fact that we don't play as well at home, what I do like is the fact that the fans show up and that's huge for the visiting team and helping us. Yeah. I think there's an advantage for the defense more than it is for Mahomes. I think you're just more likely to get in a shootout if you got to go on the road, which if I've got Mahomes, I'll take my chances. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are going to move on. You guys, <laughs> Justin Reed doubles down on Twitter. Um, as we know, we, he was talking smack ahead of the Bengals game. After the game, though, he did apologize uh, to Hayden Hurst. He said he has respect for him. They just didn't play their best, blah, blah, blah. Then um, on Tuesday, he tweets, unpopular opinion. We lost, but I was still right with the emoji, with the zip mouth. And then he said, cry about it. <laughs> Whoa, okay. So the loss didn't affect him at all. The the cry about it part. I mean, I don't know. We Maybe are going to probably have to face this team again. So what are we doing? Kayla, how often do you clap back at the haters? Is that a common, <laughs> is, that, is that a common thing for you? I, I, did it, I did it more like a few years ago. I don't care as much now. I don't know. I don't so, really, I'm not starting fights on Twitter often, but <laughs> here are the concerning parts of this for me. He's supposed to be a leader. Andy Reid told him on Friday to don't do this. Like, don't do this, man. He said it. He's like, we don't do that here. Don't do this. You lost. So they're going to dunk on you a little bit. That's the way it works. Jamar Chase is going to post him doing the duck. He's saying tuna in a can. 
You have to just wear it. His point is not totally crazy. He didn't have the world's worst game from a coverage perspective. They only targeted him a couple of times. He didn't really allow a catch, but he got run over a couple of times. And the defense he is a part of let up 423 yards and too many points. And the problem is when you say, I wasn't wrong, but the defense had a bad game, you're saying they, the rest of this team wasn't good enough. And there's just no reason to do it. Andy said specifically to cut it out, you lost. You got to let this one go. I don't see the benefit. This is one of those moments when you are so much better served to just say nothing. You can think it, but it is better to say nothing at all. I like when athletes say things. I get that part of it. But you would have been better served just saying nothing. Cody, I know you're a, a big fan of The Wire, as am I. And one famous line from that show is that you cannot lose if you don't play, which I would imagine is a notion that Andy Reid would subscribe to. You can't lose this game if you just don't play it at all. So let's not play it. And Justin Reid decided to play it. He lost it. And then afterwards decided to say, no, but actually I won. I may have lost the first one, but wait, just one more tweet. I'm, I'm a, I still have a chance to win this. If I just send this tweet off. I wonder how he imagined that playing out because there's no way there is no way he convinced himself that like they'll love this. Like people will love it when I say this. Yeah. Like anyone. So am I just to assume that that Justin Reed is playing Twitter chess and we're all playing checkers? No, because he wanted to stir a frenzy. He wanted to just piss people off and like light a fire and walk away. For a guy who signed uh, the biggest free agent contract uh, for the Chiefs this offseason. Um, financially, right? Like the longest term, the most money, pretty much. MVS's was comparable. Why would you make yourself public enemy number one? Like real quick, Kayla, who do you think Chiefs fans like less on the Chiefs than Justin Reed right now? Is there a single player they like less? I don't, think he, was, I don't think he was talking to Chiefs fans. I think he believes he was talking to Bengals fans. Hashtag yes. haters. I don't yes. think he's I know saying that the Chiefs fans. Yeah, but by doing that, he's become the enemy to the, the people he wants to support him. Because right now, every every team, every team you uh you work for the Kings, Kayla, mm -hmm. every single team, no matter professional, collegiate, fans have the guy they hate on their own team. For the last couple of years, Dan Sorensen's been proudly wearing that crown. For the Kansas <laughs> City Royals, it's probably Ryan O'Hearn. For the Kings, I don't know who it is. Just it, it's a guy on the Kings who people just decided they hate. And it's usually the guy who's not the best player on the team, but they're never the worst player on the team either. You know, they're like just bad enough or say enough bad things to get under your skin. And that's now Reed because he's going to be the face of any defensive struggles the rest of the way. He shouldn't have done that to himself. He shouldn't have become the face of the defensive struggles for the rest of the way. Chris Jones could have just worn that by being the most important player for them because that's the truth. That's where the more lies, but he decided to like wear this, take this up. I don't understand. You know, what's so funny about it is we hadn't been talking about Justin Reed all season <laughs> long. Nope. We hadn't, we'd hardly mentioned his name and that's who he's been. He has been the shoelaces of this defense. We don't notice yet. You're just sort of there. You do a job. 
You don't do it particularly it's fine. well. You're not particularly flashy. You're also not getting in the way. You're not constantly coming undone, causing us to step on our shoelaces or trip and fall. You're just there. You're the shoelaces of the defense. And he's like, no, I want more. Give me attention. Guess what, Justin? Now you're getting attention and you're going to get it all season. And anytime you get beat, anytime you get stiff armed, anytime you miss a tackle, Chiefs fans are going to pounce on it. That is the attention that you have brought to yourself. Is it bad that I don't hate him? Like, I am loyal to my team. I don't hate him either. I don't. I don't yeah. It's like, this is your bed. Now you get to sleep in it. You I just think it. it's, I think it looks bad with the Bengals. Like, I'm scared of what the Bengals are going to do to us in the playoffs because of this. They're going to take up receipts. They're going to remember this. They're going to want to just shut them down. Here's the thing. They have already dug all that up. So, like, it's already out on the table. If these two teams place each other in the postseason. There's not more dirt to dig. They both got plenty of juice in the game. Like, it's not too late, or it is too late to put any of this back, Nick, as you said. Like, you can't unmake this bed. It's just, it is. It is there. And, and why do it if, here's the thing about Justin Reed. You can say, like, he's done a fine job this year. Justin Reed is not and never has been some sort of shutdown ball hawking safety, right? He's never, he's never even flashed like the potential of being an all pro type. You're not someone who shuts guys down. Why are you trying to create this false persona for yourself that like now? Yeah, I shut him. I said I was going to shut him down and I shut who who did you shut down? Hayden Hurst? who, by the way, is like the 14th best tight end in the AFC and left the game with an injury. Like, what exactly are you even saying? Like, that was the part that was so funny today was I don't even know what what he's arguing. It's so confusing to me, just as his original comments were confusing to himself when he didn't know who the hell he was talking about. I don't hate him either, Kayla. It's just like, I don't know what the hell he's doing. I'm, I'm confused as to what the whole purpose is here. I just don't. There's no reason to trigger Andy, too. Like Mitchell Schwartz, who played for Andy for five years, took to Twitter today and be like, I don't know why you're doing this, man. You're either on your way to the facility or you're already in the facility. He said they are going to be mad at him because Andy doesn't like controversy. And he's just digging it right back in right after on Friday. He said, we don't do that. He knows that now. And you're like, "Mm, uh, bad news, Andy. You might not know it yet. Just stop, Justin. Just stop. Yeah. Well, it's still Hashtag. somewhat under control. Hashtag just stop, Justin. Just stop, Justin. Let's get that trending. Okay. We'll give it's it like watching sh- a train wreck. <laughs> just stop, Justin. All right, guys, with a little over a month left in the regular season, how real are the concerns about the Chiefs' special team woes? I mean, it's the worst unit on the field. Man, you know what? They almost did it too. What a weird time for this conversation almost because <laughs> pitching a perfect game until Butker missed that field goal. They were doing it, man. Aces. Hunt game was going fine. Pacheco had his best kickoff return game. Felt like things were clicking. And then Harrison Butker missed a 55-yard kick. And then it's there. The truth is, it's, 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 a, it's a fatal flaw kind of thing. It doesn't mean somebody's going to hit you in the Achilles, but it is part of what can be their undoing. So yeah, I'm concerned. They are young. They admit that they're young. They make mistakes. They're not particularly good in kickoff returns, in punt returns, in kick coverage. For the first time in the Toby era, it can't even save them in a game. You know, it used to be the special teams would occasionally win them a game. They'd get a big kick or punt return, and it would win them a game. And they can't even do that. You're just asking them not to screw it up. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it'd be kind of foolish to not be worried about. I think it'd be kind of foolish to not be worried. The special teams could cost them in a big moment. Kayla, when you, when you, when you think of the special teams this year or like the concerns that you ask about, does your mind immediately go to the punt returns and like that, those sort of miscues or does, does it go to Harrison Butker? I, I'm not pointing the finger at Harrison. It's, it's definitely kick return. I, I think what Harrison does is incredible. I think he's one of the best kickers in the league and I'm not ready to be down on him just yet. I know he hasn't had his best season. He's dealt with injury, but I'm not pointing the finger at Harrison yet. See, the sky was the biggest problem. Yeah. What's so weird is that in a season where Harrison Butker has kicked a 62 yard field goal, right? He comes in and kicks a 62-yarder. There is anxiety every time he comes onto the field. He's ranked 26 in field goal percentage, Nick. It's not unreasonable. He hasn't kicked as many as some of those other guys because he was hurt, but he's making a lower percentage of his kicks than ever. Was that one on Sunday because of the low snap? Is that totally his fault? No, I mean, things probably do have to go a little more perfect, Kayla, to your point. On a 55-yard field goal, you can't afford less mistakes. You can afford less high snaps, less low snaps, less mistakes. But no offense, he's the guy who makes four and a half million dollars. James Winchester, who did sign an extension, doesn't. Your job is to power through all that. That's why yeah. you're one of the highest paid kickers in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of where I'm at, too. It's that when you think about the Chiefs in sort of their highest form, it's been because not only are they so efficient at scoring and, and putting six on the board is that when the offense does come up short, they've had a top five kicker in the NFL who can extend the range of where they can score from. So when you, when you do that, it's almost like you're including Harrison Butker into the offense and it makes the offense that much more potent because it's like, we don't need to move the ball down to the 35 yard line. We can move it down to the 42 yard line. We get an extra buffer zone that most other teams in the NFL don't get, right? It makes your offense that much more dangerous. And if all of a sudden that's no longer a reality, or at least it's not a reality as consistently as it used to be, it almost makes me feel like the offense is taking a step back when it's not, right? It's just that the offense is now being asked to do more. It's asking them to be mistake-free. Yeah, and make up for their mistakes. And that feels like an unreasonable ask to look at Patrick Mahomes and say, hey, can you... I know you're the MVP favorite. Could you do a little more, maybe? Could you move it? Give me seven more yards here. He'll probably, he probably will. If you ask him, he'll be like, fine. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll do it. But like, that's the issue is that he's already doing so much. Now you're saying be more perfect because our kicker is not quite as reliable as he used to be. Cody, I know you brought up this on the podcast the other day. Do you think he still is dealing with injury, Harrison? Either that or he's just out of kicking practice. I don't really care which one it is, but he's not the same kicker. Like whether whether he's hurt or just he hasn't had the rep, so it's not as smooth. He's not as good. He is not. You cannot trust him the way you trusted him last year to make a 55 yarder. You should just trust Patrick Mahomes instead. Better. It's smarter. It's safer. It's all of those things. It's not to say that Harrison Bucker is never going to kick a field goal. But yeah, I think unless he starts showing the ability to make every kick 90 percent of the time like before. I would proceed more like he's every other NFL kicker. Proceed with caution. All right. Nick, you just alluded to this earlier, but 
Sad news. Patrick Mahomes is no longer the overwhelming favorite to an NFL MVP. He is still the favorite, however, but he went from minus 160 to plus 125 to win MVP over the weekend. Jalen Hurts is right behind him at plus 175 with Joe Burrow going from plus 1400 to plus 600 with that Bengals win. That's the crazy one that Joe Burrow cut his odds more than 50% just by beating the Chiefs. And it's not like his stat line was crazy good. He was really efficient, but two touchdowns, one on the ground. That's what beating the Chiefs can do for your MVP odds. Like We joke in the Heisman, like you need to have the Heisman moment. That was Joe Burrow's Heisman moment. Ugh, I hate he, that. Well, but it, it, Nick's not wrong. I still think that Mahomes is the favorite to win it because I think he's got a better chance to win out. And with Burrow in particular, it's very hard for Burrow to win the MVP over Mahomes because he's going to finish behind him in the standings. And for all the stories of overcoming stuff, Mahomes wills to have the Tyreek storyline. Burrow doesn't have that. I know that Jamar Chase missed some time, but he still has Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And they went like they're coming at their peak. Mahomes has more adverse, you know, adversary, to, you know, like to, to kind of adversity to kind of have that conversation with him. I couldn't get that word out. He had that conversation. <laughs> adversity. He has, he has more of that storyline, Nick, than, than anyone else at that point. The guy I think he's actually in trouble against is Hertz. Cause Hertz is really likely at this point to finish with the NFL's number one record. And if any team ever goes 16 and one in a regular season, that's damn near a lock to get you the MVP. The advantage Mahomes will have is, he might set the single season yardage record and he might do it while throwing 45 touchdowns. So I, I think it's kind of a toss up between those two right now. Burrow just takes the leap for beating Mahomes this week, but I still think it's a two horse race. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes still has uh, all, uh, 350 more passing yards than anybody else in the league. He has five more passing touchdowns than anybody else in the league, but you're right. Hertz is the one that scares you because I don't think that Burrow will have the combination of stats and team success to put him over Mahomes. Like, even if they're comparable, like, you're not going to give him the nod. It's that Hertz has 20 passing touchdowns, three interceptions. Oh, and he has nine touchdowns on the ground as well. And as you mentioned, they have been the most consistent team all year long. I wonder this, though. If the stats just remain stable for both those guys, let's make this a two-horse race because according to the odds, it basically is. If they just continue on their same trajectory and... Nobody takes a big step back. Nobody has a, a crazy monster game that gives them a leg up on the other one. Does Mahomes still get it over Hertz, even if the Eagles end up with two more wins than the Chiefs? I think so. Ooh. I honestly think that the push for the people who vote for this, and there's only 50 people who vote for this, will be, if you think that it's a miss, like, writers care about this too. The story that is, no Tyreek Hill, the thing we didn't want to talk about earlier, will be the thing that gets Mahomes the award. Interesting. Because Jalen Hurts got a new weapon. He got A.J. Brown, in addition to already being on a very good... Like, he got more, Nick. Patrick Mahomes got less. It took more away from it. Like, I, I do think that that will be... I think, to me, that's the deciding factor if things kind of stay equal the rest of the way. Well, and we know he's ahead, so I think that yeah. individual stats should outweigh end-of-season record. So it was 2010 when Brady won it with 36 and four, 36 touchdowns, four interceptions. I think it was 
And then in 2017, he won it with 32 and eight. So I'm like, I'm trying to find a statistical comparison for somebody like Jalen Hurts winning it because he's not going to have more touchdowns than Mahomes. But if you have elite team success and incredible efficiency, that might be enough to do it. But he would need yeah. to have a moment because if he's behind Mahomes right now, I don't see how he could pass him if Mahomes wins out. If I mean, Lamar Jackson won it, but he did historic things yeah. like rushing and, re- and rushing and passing combined. Like Jalen Hurts isn't going to break those Lamar Jackson records. He's just going to have a season like that. That's a little less good. He's just so damn efficient and he doesn't yeah. make mistakes. And that team wins. Thanks in large part to his ability to be a dual threat quarterback. And like, with, sorry, go ahead, Nick. Well, no, I just saying like with what he's doing on the ground, he's probably not quite going to get to a thousand yards rushing, but he might have 15 rushing touchdowns to go with. 26 passing touchdowns. That's going to be pretty impressive numbers. I think with the games we have left, his numbers are just going to go through the roof. I think this is where he can just really put it up on everyone. And to Cody's point, you're doing it all without your number one ride receiver. You've had to adjust. You've had to you know, move through adversity with all of this, these new weapons and, and he's doing it really well. So there tend to be narratives for big awards like these. Nick votes for the Heisman, if you didn't know that, Kayla. I've heard that a time um, or two, I think. Not a big deal. Are but, you allowed to tell us who you're voting for? Uh, we know I, the I four legally. finalists. He signed an NDA. What? Yeah. Well, it's like a digital. It's like you, you click a box and it's like you agree to this non-disclosure agreement. So have you already voted? I have. Yeah, oh, but you can't, you can't tell us. Monday at 4 o'clock. Yeah, I can maybe tell you secretly, but not officially. So if there's any Heisman, people from the Heisman Trust list... <laughs> I he promise. would never actually tell her. I'm not actually <laughs> going to tell him, just hypothetically. <laughs> Crazy. Well, that's very cool. I can't say the same about myself. Maybe someday I'll make it to the uh, MVP voting list. That's that a would much be cool. More exclusive list. Uh, Is it? It's only 50 people. Yeah, there's 870 Heisman voters. But you know what? 8 billion people on the planet. So I'm still part of the <laughs> exclusive Wait. group. Really quick, what are the qualifications for Heisman voting? I don't know. Just How co- did you get this honor? I was, yeah, exit college co- uh, cover college athletics in some capacity, which I did. So I did that on a daily basis when I was working in Lawrence. So that's when I got the vote. They even like, okay, you grads vote on the Heisman. Uh-huh. <laughs> Andy didn't even, I got even put in a vote for Jalen Daniels. Maybe if he didn't get hurt. Yeah, I can't, again, guys, I can't go. Please respect my privacy. <laughs> All right, guys, it is our weekly vibe check time. Where are we going with our vibe checks this week? As I tend to do, uh, I'd like to go with pop culture in order to do it. And I'm going to make a a recent reference. Oh, instead of the many dated references I make for this. My vibe this week is Black Adam, as in this game. This upcoming week is a box office flop. That movie is projected to lose 50 to 100 million dollars in the box office. And I was promised fireworks for Chiefs Broncos, Sunday night football, late in the season. And I'm not getting any of that. It got Russell Wilson is playing so bad. They flexed the current MVP favorite out of the game. They're like, we can't do that. We'll keep you in the three o'clock slot. We're not taking you all the way back to noon. It's not Stone Age's stuff, but we can't even keep you in Sunday night football. I was promised a box office, big, big blockbuster movie. 
And instead, I'm getting Patrick Mahomes against the guy currently playing like the 34th best quarterback in the NFL. So feels like a little bit of less buzz going into this game. It's still Chiefs Broncos week, but we were promised like a big blockbuster movie and we're not getting it. What movie did you just reference? I Black Adam. That that's is. the new rock movie. For, like for superhero movie with the rock. Uh, oh, it looks. I weird. am living under a rock because I've not heard anything about this. Well, here's the well. Here's the problem. They're going to lose a bunch of money on it, so I don't think you're the only one, Kayla. And <laughs> yeah, they spent like a billion dollars on it. So great. Haven't heard anything, and I even live in the mecca. So they spent uh, almost as much as the Broncos spent on Russell Wilson. So, you know, very similar. Similar returns. Nothing. Um, I guess I'll do another movie reference. I'm going to go. This is the cheesy training montage with Eye of the Tiger playing behind it in the Rocky. Bum, 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 bum. Exactly. That's what the next five games are going to be like for the Chiefs. It's going to be you can fast forward through them. We don't need any dialogue. We don't need to discuss them. We just put some some highlight music behind it. And we watch them because these aren't the games that are going to define the Chiefs' season. It's just like, hey, they're going to get back to the lab. They're going to work on some stuff. They're going to get stronger. They're going to get better. And then the real climax of the movie happens when they get to the postseason. There's nothing. I mean, we'll find things to talk about over the next five games or so. Kayla is exclaiming as if I have offended her or if I stole her. Stole. Uh, uh, uh. Wow. <laughs> we did it again. We did it again. What was yours going to be? Well, you can finish your thoughts. Sorry. I was, I, I was I was pretty much wrapping up anyway. I so. don't have a poker face ever. Um <laughs> no, mine is also just like in your favorite movie. I know we reference rom-coms a lot, but it's where you're like we're in act 3 or we're 3 fourths way through where you're experiencing that letdown, that brief moment of adversity, whatever it is, but now you know it's going to have a happy ending. We're on the up and up. We're going to finish strong. I'm not worried. These last 5 games should be a cakewalk, hopefully. Um, don't want to jinx ourselves, but yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if it's just like the the rom com movie or just the the movie arc as it goes. But we have faced our giants. We should win out and onto the postseason. We go. Is this right after the heartbreak where they start putting all their life back together? They're like, yes. I'm, I'm going yes. to work on time. I'm yep. taking care of myself. Yep. Things in life are going better, and then you get back to your your real love, which is the postseason. I don't know exactly. what I'm describing, but I would assume there are probably five that fit this description where like the girl gets dumped by the guy and then she has like the glow up and then mm -hmm. she goes up to prom and then everybody's like, whoa, look at her. Can't believe he dumped her. And then she falls in love with him or somebody else. Am I describing any? Romantic? Is this she's all that again? Okay. <laughs> it might be she's. Are we going back to she's all that? We should find a way to invoke She's All That at least once a week. Guys, that movie really had it all. Usher was in there. We had the, you know, unison dance off at prom. Like, that's been my dream forever, just to bust out in the same routine as everyone else. We're all aligned and know it. Anyway. The next time you're in Casey, we'll work on that as a group. We'll work on a unison dance routine. Although, isn't that just pretty much TikTok, Kayla, or am I mistaken? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's. Now it is. We can just do a TikTok together. Let's just do a little TikTok. Yes, that is the equivalent of the prom. That's at least a 37-year-old like me. Like, <laughs> I'm probably too old to do the prom flash mob. So now we're stuck with the three of us in our 30s doing a TikTok together. Gosh, I need to get to Casey. <laughs> Can't wait for this. Do it. I'm actually going to be there over Christmas. We'll talk about it later. Oh. But. All right, you guys. 
That's going to do it for us on this Wednesday. That is Cody Tapp. He is Nick Schwert. I'm Kayla Canaram. We will be back with you all on Friday. Thank you, as always, for listening to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Have a good one. 